When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast on Chronicle NUFC, joined by our Chief Sports Writer, Lee Ryder. Before we begin, uh, please just pop your questions to Lee in the comments, wherever you're watching, whether that be on YouTube, Facebook or Twitter, and we'll get through the best of them. Uh, Lee, we'll start with um, the latest on Steve Bruce's future. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation. He's under a lot of pressure given the run of games. You've just popped the story up on our website, which basically says he's not under threat, but he's not safe. Um, can you just explain a bit more about the latest on Steve Bruce's future? Well, basically, it's he's been told to get on with the job for now, and you know they go into this game against Aston Villa, and he knows fine well that he needs to get a positive result from it, and then they'll go from there. So I've seen a lot of talk of managers being linked and things like that which is it's all normal we've been here before with uh so many different managers and but then the day newcastle haven't spoken to anybody else about the job um steve bruce is still in position as it stands uh, whether people you know like him or not uh he is there in the moment he will be doing the press conference tomorrow he'll be in the dugout at villa park going back to his old club um and like any manager, he'll be, you know, watching and waiting and hoping to, to get a result. And that, that's the only way you can look at that at the moment from his point of view. He, he knows the score, been in the game long enough. Um, if they don't get anything out of Villa, then, you know, the, the situation then goes into the same, same as we've had after Sheffield United and the same as we've had after Arsenal. You know, the questions start to get asked. I do think the next three games are, are, are key. Uh, Villa, Leeds at home. They've simply got to get a win against Leeds at home. And then they finish the month off at Everton. That's a real toughie. So he'll be looking at Villa and Leeds and hoping to get, you know, at least four points from those two and then uh, see where they go from there. But he certainly needs something to ease the pressure on him at the moment. Did it strike you as slightly, I don't know, bizarre is the right word, that He's not been told one way or the other. He's kind of just been told to get on with it. Does he need more of an assurance than that? I mean, because if he loses against Villa, the pressure's just going to skyrocket, isn't it? And then that me- me- means that, that Leeds game is absolutely huge. Does he? Would you, if you were Steve Bruce, would you want a more more assurances than he's perhaps got over the last few days? To be honest, if I was Steve Bruce at this moment in time, I wouldn't be asking for assurances because. With so many games behind him in his managerial career, he knows he knows the score that even if someone did say, look, you're going to lose the next three games and you're going to be okay, he probably wouldn't believe it himself. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Newcastle, they they know if they get relegated this season, they're going to be in really big trouble uh, in the Premier League. So from Steve Bruce's point of view, he knows that this these next three games are crucial for him. I mean, I, I've seen one report saying if he, he needs to win at least one of them. But 
you know, what if he draws or what if he draws the next three, you know, he's still gonna still be in a job because it's three more points on the board. So it's it's a tough situation for him and his staff, and, and they need to get a response now from the players. His press conference is tomorrow, and you'll be you'll be uh, they're asking him the questions. What are you expecting from Steve Bruce tomorrow? We've we've seen previously about responses. I mean, last week um, was probably one of his most memorable press conferences in terms of the quotes, the gloves off, uh, my way. What are you expecting tomorrow? Because Arsenal was, as much as it promised to be different, it was very much the same. The lack of threat, a bit tighter defensively, but all in truth, I mean, it was all. It always looked like Arsenal were going to get the win, and there wasn't much to suggest anything had really changed. So what are you expecting tomorrow from Steve Bruce? Well, I mean, just picking the bones out, of, you know, we'll, we'll have one final say on the Arsenal game and I've watched it back now a couple of times um, on the on the replay and basically first half, I didn't think they were that bad. I honestly, I'm sitting here saying I thought they were all right. They were relatively organised. They had something at least going on in midfield, uh, they just couldn't find a goal. And that's that's what the problem is. And then they went in at half-time, come out for the second half, and then, you know, they seemed to lack belief. And then as soon as Arsenal started wading in with a few punches, the game was finished. And that is a sign of um, low confidence in a squad that the minute you go goal down, it's panic stations. And then 2-0, you knew, you knew they weren't going to score three goals. A 2-0 down, so it was game over. It was just a matter of how many goals Arsenal could chalk up and they only managed one more. But they made Arsenal look very good when this season they've been below par, let's be honest, about Arsenal. But that's Arsenal's problem. What am I expecting Steve Bruce to say tomorrow? Well, he's he's gone through everything else, hasn't he? He's 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 read the right act recently. He's you know, he's been very uh, turned the air blue. Uh, after the Sheffield United game, he's um, blamed his players. He's then dropped eight of them for Arsenal game. And now he's going to probably turn around and say to a couple of them, actually, I need you to do us a favour here. He's asking his players to keep him in a job. So it's it's down to the belief of the dressing room at the moment. We'll dive into the first question from one of our viewers from Damien there, and he says, given the current ownership, management and squad, do you think we are underachieving or is this where the squad should be? It's a good question as well. And I've, I've heard a few sort of people outside the North East say, well, where, where do you expect Newcastle to be, given what they've, they've spent? For me, I think they're probably 11th, 12th place. I know that's not where we all dream of Newcastle to be, but that's where they probably should be given how much they've spent. I do think they can get a lot more with this squad. Uh, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, I've, I've, I've had a good report, Bournemouth before. Um, people like John Joe Shelby are much better than they're shown at the minute. We've seen Jamal LaSalle's have, have better games than this. Kuhn Clark's doing okay, but we know that this defence has probably got another couple of seasons in them if they, you know, if they can just get the, this thing back on track. Um, and quickly, then I do think that they've got they've got good players, and they are better than this team. You know, you don't like to say it at all um, about teams that are going to be involved in the relegation. No team is too good to go down, but if this team did go down, 
then you would have to say they've, they've underachieved this season. So I would say, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, that's where we should ex expect Newcastle to be um, with what they've got. And, you know, poss possibly a little bit more, 8th or 9th. But, you know, it's, 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 it's got to all come together. They've got to gel and they've got to uh, work hard for each other. And at the minute, it, it's just not happening for them. A question along the similar lines here from Tom Smith. Do you think Steve Bruce is the manager to get the most out of this squad? Well, you look at it really and Rafa Benitez, he couldn't finish any higher than, than 10th when they scraped into 10th on, on goal difference. You look at uh, his, you know, Steve Bruce's own personal best. I'm not sure that the highest he's finished in the table might be in the top 10 with, with Sunderland. But at the end of the day, I think Steve Bruce really this season, if he'd have finished middle of the table, he'd have been happy for all he was talking about potentially going higher. So is he the best man at the minute? It doesn't look like he is because the players aren't really doing it for them. But at the end of the day, they have other problems with injury, with COVID. Alan St. Maxman hasn't played for two months. They're not at full strength. So he's probably going to have to get a lot more out of them. We'll continue. We've got some good questions coming in. This one from Nick Phil. What do you make, Lee, of Simon Jordan's comments that a section of fans are making Steve Bruce's job impossible? And then the second question to that is, what do you make of other pundits' comments who are blaming the players for not being good enough? Well, the Simon Jordan comments, uh, I think they're, all, they're always going to be extreme because he's a professional, he's a professional pundit these days. He's not a chairman anymore. He's not, he's not doing it. He's not mixing in, in, in those circles anymore. He's there to make a name for himself. So he, he goes for the most extreme comments possible. So I don't really regard them them comments too highly. I don't know how they're making it impossible because they're not in the stadium. So if it's a bit of social media, which Steve Bruce doesn't even read, then, then I don't quite understand what, what point he's trying to make there. But as I say, he's one of these people who has to say something absolutely outrageous just to be heard on the radio. And that, that's why he's on talk sport. Um, the other pundits were blaming the players for not being good enough. Well, <laughs> they've, they've got a, a track record where they have been good enough. This, this team, the bulk of this team has finished 10th. So I don't buy that. I just think at the minute, it's just not gelling. They're obviously not responding to what Steve Bruce is saying, his coaching staff. I mean, one thing I heard the other night was that in the dressing room after the game, they sympathised with the players rather than having another sort of rant at them. Um, so that that's that's where they are. I, I, personally, I think if you're not going to change manager, change some of your backroom team, have a different voice in there. And for Steve Bruce, um, I'm sure he's got a lot of good contacts in the game that that could come in and. Uh, could come, come in and do a few sessions with the players, have a chat with the players, see what the problems are, try and maybe get something from them that he can't at the moment. And um, there's, there's more ways than one of changing manager. There's spending money, there's bringing in different different voices, different coaches, different techniques. So Newcastle really need to uh, to get the thinking hats on because uh, there is there is ways around this. Sticking with the, the pundits line there, we've got a few people commenting about what Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville said on Monday Night Football 
um, both before and after the, the Arsenal game. Um, it was a great debate. I mean, and I think the, the essential point was, um, at least from Gary Neville, was that like it's kind of, it's embedded now in Newcastle, this kind of feeling of misery and because of what Mike Ashley's done over the last that last 12 years. Um, what did you make of the, of the comments? I mean, they got a good reaction on social media and it, and it was good as well to, to see this debate being taken nationally, but also it was a reasonable and well-researched debate as well. Yeah, I mean, it's one that was going on while I was in the stadium. So again, I had to had to um, have a look at the replay for that. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a reasonably good debate. Uh, I, I, I found myself agreeing, even though they were both coming from opposite sides, I agreed with different things that each of the two pundits said. But we know Carragher's a big uh, Rafa fan and he's always going to get plaudits himself for um, praising Rafa because Rafa's really popular. Gary Neville, on the other hand, is a Palace Steve Bruce, so he's he was always going to stand up um, for his pal who we played with at Man United, and you know Gary Neville what wasn't exactly loved as a as an opposing player when he came to St James's Park. Uh, didn't used to like doing interviews before he got a job as a pundit either because uh, he used he used to regularly turn down uh, a lot of the press packs. So he's now doing that as a living because he's not doing it as a manager. Sticking with the comments again, we've got one from Mike Elliott. And I guess, Lee, this is the key question, isn't it? Do you think Steve Bruce can turn this around or, uh, you know, is a change, whether it be backroom staff or in the manager himself, needed to ensure Premier League safety? Do I think he can turn it around? Possibly, yeah. I, I, I think it's not it's not impossible for him to turn it around. I know a lot of people will throw that back at me, but I think in football, as long as he gets the chance, he'll have an opportunity to turn around. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to shoot Newcastle at the top of the table or anything stupid like that, but if, say, he remains in position, you scrape a draw, they stop the rot, and then you're going to face a team or two before the end of the season, especially with the, the way the games are flying thick and fast, that you will face someone on an off day and you, you, you'll get something and suddenly the mood changes around the place. That's what happened when Alan Pardew was in charge. I mentioned it in the article that I just posted before that the start of the uh, 2014-15 season, Pardew and Newcastle went a right mess. They were second bottom in the table and they lost at Stoke and you thought there's no way back for Alan Pardew. But uh did come back. He went on a six or seven game winning run and by the time he left the club to go to Crystal Palace, they were, they were ninth in the table. So... It can be turned around. I mean, I think the fans, you miss, you miss the fans at times like this because they, they come up with something uh, that makes you smile. I think, you remember that um, Pardew won a game on Halloween, I think it was, and uh, there was a banner saying Pardew back from the dead. And that's it, exactly where Steve Bruce has got to come back from at the minute. It looks like he's, he's, you know, he's on the canvas, but at the end of the day, he's now got to uh, get his team motivated well, Aston Villa, I'm sure he won't need any motivation because, you know, he got sacked from Aston Villa and his backroom team as well. So I'm sure he'll be trying everything he possibly can to, to, to at least get a draw from that game. And again, it comes back to something I think you said in the, in the last podcast we did about even if they did get rid of Steve Bruce, you've still got an owner who doesn't really want to be here, who has set such low 
you know, targets, you know, just stay in the Premier League. Who would be the manager to come in and, and take this job? You know, there will be managers out there that would take Newcastle. It's a great club. But would it be an ambitious manager who wants to shoot for the stars? Because he necessarily wouldn't be allowed under this ownership, would he? No, I would. You know, I don't think it would be another Rafa Benitez if that's what you you're asking me. But I think it's it's more likely to be somebody out of work, someone like Tony Pulis, Mark Hughes, those kind of names who've done the job. Obviously, Sam Allardyce isn't available because he's got another survival job on his hand um, at West Brom. Whether he would have come back to Newcastle, we don't know. But he, he reckons that he got asked to do the job in the summer. Uh, two summers ago, <clears throat> when before Bruce got the job. So, look, there's always going to be someone who's prepared to come in and take the job because there's always people that are going to be out of work. There's more out of work managers than in work because there's only, there's only uh, you know, 92 jobs in the, in the Football League, in the Premier League. So there's always going to be managers desperate for a job, but it's whether they're going to come in and do better than what Steve Bruce is doing. At the minute, it feels like that wouldn't be hard. But realistically, if, say, you do get the change and someone like Mark Hughes comes in, very underwhelming for a lot of fans, and, you know, he loses his first two or three games, suddenly they're right back in the, the, the dogfight. So it, this is why Newcastle probably haven't done anything knee-jerk in the last three or four games and they maybe are just waiting just to get some calm into that dressing room and, and try and you know get a result or two and just ease the pressure around the place. This is a comment here from our YouTube channel. You know, I think Alan Pardew is a better manager than Steve Bruce. Quite the claim given how Alan Pardew left Newcastle. Um, but hey, you know he got Newcastle into Europe and uh, it was it was better than what it is now. I guess an interesting comment there. Um, we were going to talk about Kieran Clark getting a new contract. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because he has been good this season. He's been very, very good in, in defence. And he is clearly someone Steve Bruce relies on. But he is also of that age where maybe a couple of years ago, he wouldn't have got a new deal, wouldn't have got a new contract. First off, just your thoughts on him signing a new contract. And then potentially what it says about the long-term future of Newcastle United. Yeah, I mean, it's been in the pipeline for some time. I, I think the deal was uh, completed you know, a good few weeks ago and it just happened to get announced yesterday um, for whatever reason that, that was. Um, you know, Could it be because DeAndre Yedlin's gone public about not getting a contract? So were the club trying to make a point, say, look, there is things going on here uh, at the club and this is evidence of it? Because he's just signed a new contract. So the reality is DeAndre Yedlin is probably on his way out of the club. And sadly, um, it gets messy, doesn't it, when players start going public about their disputes with the club. And it, it, it it's not really helpful for Newcastle at this moment in time because they need, they need a bit of harmony around the place in there. That doesn't exactly scream harmony to me. Um, as for Kieran Clark, look, he's... He's a steady, steady battler for Newcastle. He's been very good in the time he's been at the club. I think it would cost you more to find a replacement for a player like him than to give him a new deal. 
Um, since he'd come in, he'd been a great talker uh, with the press. I think when he arrived here, there was all he, he had a bit of a reputation for not doing a lot of press. That's what we were told. But certainly, he's never shirked an interview. You know, going back to normal times before the pandemic, he would always stop and talk to the press and give his opinions. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. I really do. And, and, and does it mean that Steve Bruce is still having influence behind the scenes, signing these players who are older than what we've seen recently? And we've got um, a question here from Chris. Chris, where he mentions the likes of Shelby and Richie as well have already signed the de- signed deals, extending their stay. What do you read into the long term future for Newcastle United when you look at those players being signed up on big contracts? Well, I, I, I don't see a lot of long termism at the moment because really a lot of these players were signed to get Newcastle out of the championship back in 2016 17. But they've done okay, so you can understand why they've got deals. And uh, all of them. Really, Steve Bruce has managed to get them in that position where they've they've been handed deals. So I think they all owe Steve Bruce a performance or two, definitely in the next few games, because if they don't, then they could be playing under another manager. The other manager might not like them. And while they will be protected by their contracts, if a manager comes in who decides to stick on the transfer list, then eventually they'll find a way to, to move on to a different club. So they've been given an opportunity to be comfortable at this stage of their lives. And um, I do think the uh, the all Steve Bruce performance. There's quite a few players out of contract in the summer. Um, we've got a few questions there in the comments asking about these players. You know, the likes of Fabian Chair, Dwight Gale, Federico Fernandez. You mentioned there, Yedlin, there's Atsu, there's Murphy. Can you see... Any of them getting new deals? I mean, because if if they don't, Newcastle are going to have to really um, get into that market in the summer transfer window, aren't they? Yeah. Um, doesn't sound great for Yedlin, given his comments the other day, with so so little time left. Atsu hasn't even got a squad number at the moment. But if Yedlin does end up getting a move in this window, then I would expect Atsu to be drafted back into the squad. Um, if he didn't, you know, if he didn't get an extension, I still think he would be drafted into the squad because there'd be no reason not to if Yedlin left. So, as for the other guys, Murphy has done all right this season. Uh, hasn't been great of late, but nobody has. But this season, he's done okay. He's come back and improved. He's he can do it in the Premier League. So, I, I would like to see him get another contract. Um, I think with the right players around him. He can do something, but more importantly for Newcastle, they're saying they're not spending money in this window. doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of money to spend in the next window, so you have to get some of these guys tied down because otherwise, what are you going to be working with? It's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I know Fabian shares has got a lot of fans, as has Jacob Murphy, uh, so it'd be interesting to see who does get tied down to a new deal. Let's talk about then this transfer window. You mentioned there does not like there's much money to spend, if any at all, this this month. Um, but loan deals a possibility, but again, that's slow on the uptake. I know I think Steve Bruce said it probably towards the end of the window if anything does happen. Do you, do you feel like anything is potentially on the horizon? Because I think everyone 
can see that they do need improvement um, in that midfield and, and, and elsewhere. But do you feel like Steve Bruce is going to get any additions this month? Well, I think he started the month speaking optimistically about it. He was saying, oh, we've got a few things bubbling away. Uh, loan, loan deals are going to be a possibility. But since then, it's all went very quiet. And while there are a few names you know, that we've we, we reported on, people like Brandon Williams, uh, Steve Bruce probably isn't in a position to go knocking on the door and saying, look, we need, we need to get two or three players in because they'll turn around and say, well, you've had money to spend. You've got a full squad. You've had 18 months. So you have to make it work. And um, that's that's pretty much what I believe the situation will be behind the scenes. Um, and in terms of another manager coming in, we talk about Steve Bruce leaving, but if somebody else come in, then the first thing they would ask is, right, have I got any money to spend? Can I bring some players in? Can I bring some people that I know that are going to do a job for us? And if the answer is the same as what Steve Bruce is getting, then they're probably not going to take the job. So it's a, it's, it's almost a, a vicious circle at the minute uh, for Newcastle and they need to get results quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Three points is, is everything uh, to get Newcastle closer to that uh, survival in the Premier League. We'll talk about briefly later some questions about the formation and the player, but the first question here from Barry Sloan, I just want to ask you, great to see Alan St. Maxman back in to the training uh, centre down in Benton, you know, lots of uh, happy people on social media when those photographs were released. Have you heard anything about when he might be back actually in the first team and, and able to play? Well, he hasn't played for a long time and he's missed probably more than you would the time limit in a, in a pre-season, like a close season. So he probably needs a pre-season's worth of work before he can be considered for the team again. So, as uh, Steve Bruce says, probably about five or six weeks away in his last update, we'll speak to him again tomorrow, whether he's caught up with, with anything like that. But the sooner he's back, and the sooner, he, even if he can give Newcastle 15, 20 minutes from the bench, then they're going to be a stronger team with a minute. So let's just hope he's back and um, raring to go as soon as possible. But probably... You know, three, four weeks, five weeks, we could still be waiting for St. Maxman. He's back, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, just to give that team a bit of intent and just to excite the fans, really, and give Newcastle a bit of threat. We've got a question here from Andrew Carter, and he asks, why does the midfield always look back and not forward? I'm assuming he means with his passes there. They are, it's, yeah, I, I, I agree with that statement, actually. I do think... You know, they do tend to pass backwards or sideways, and there's very little creativity and threat coming from the midfield. I saw a stat Lee earlier, and it was from NUF 360 about Newcastle having 10 different midfield partnerships so far this season. Do you think that has anything to do with it? The lack of consistency in that midfield? It, well, the, when things aren't going well, you, you know, you change formation. Um, you bring in different players. It's almost like <laughs> it's almost like when when you're playing on Football Manager or something stupid like that, and you you can't get a win, so you just keep trying crazy things. And that's sometimes that's what it's looked like at Newcastle this season. Unfortunately, I don't want to be I don't want to be too critical, but you know, to make eight changes 
for a league game is uh, is drastic. Um, and then to, to keep dropping people and changing formation, look, consistency always wins in football. So you have to stick to a certain system. That's what Rafa Benitez did. He hammered it into the players, this back five, parking the bus, um, hitting teams on the break. And eventually they got it and they stuck with it and it got results. It wasn't pretty, um, but it seems they can't play any other way. It really does. I mean, the 4-4-2 actually did all right, didn't it, at the start of the season against West Ham. Yeah. Got a result down there, but I'm not going to get too excited about that. So, yeah, and in terms of the point there about going backwards, then, yeah, it, it frustrates frustrates me as much as it does any fan. At, at the end of the day, you know, Newcastle from their own corner in the first half, it ended up going all the way back to the goalkeeper. So are they being told to keep possession at all costs, keep the ball? You know, you look at the possession stats, that's not really working for them. So I would just like to see one decent delivery into the box and someone to to maybe get a header on target or a shot on target from a corner kick. That would be great. Um, and one day maybe we'll score again from a set piece. <laughs> Wishful thinking, Lee. Let's just talk about Villa then this weekend. Do you think after all Steve Bruce said about gloves off and my way, that will will we see the same kind of setup that he put out against Arsenal, which didn't work in the second half? There was no threat. Or will we see something different against Aston Villa? I mean, it, it's it sounds a daft question, but I think a lot of people will be asking that question because I think a lot of people will be expecting maybe something different to what we saw against Arsenal, despite the fact he said we'll be doing it my way. And it goes back to that question, what is Steve Bruce's way? Yeah, it, it was a crazy thing to say, to be honest, because it confused a lot of people. Because to most people, you know, Steve Bruce is the manager, so surely it's his way. So, And if it's not his way, whose way has it been? Steve Agnew? Stephen Clements? Steve Harper? A culmination of everyone? Is it run by committee, at the end of the day, a manager has to make his impact within the squad. He has to. So Alex Ferguson done it for years and years. If he didn't like players, they were they were out, basically. And Steve Bruce, as well as he did for Man United, was one of them players who experienced being moved on when Sir Alex Ferguson decided he was going to build another team. Konchelskis, Schmeichel, um, Yapstam, we're talking about Man United here, but I'm using it as an example. Doesn't matter how good you are, the manager will make his impact by moving players on. So at the minute, it doesn't it feels like the players are running things a little bit for me at Newcastle. And uh that's got to stop at some point. And at the end of the day, Steve Bruce knows now he's relying on these players because he's the one who's in the danger zone in terms of his job. If he goes, they'll still be here, they'll still be picking the money up. So he's got to really find a way to make sure they respond. And, um, you know, good luck to him. But it's it's not looking great at the moment. I mean, it's a big game, isn't it, against Villa again on Sky. And we've got Andrew Carter there. And he's one of the few people asking a, a similar question about the players. You know, he's saying they don't look like uh, enjoying it. They don't look like they enjoy playing at the moment. And I guess when you're losing all these games, you won't do. And there's a few questions about the dressing room as well. 
what do you say? I mean, they don't lead it. I mean, you, you've you've been home and away. You've seen them, you know, a lot closer than we have here on the, t- the TV screens. They don't look like they're enjoying playing. Is that down to what's happening, you know, on the training pitch and in the dressing room? Or is that down to, do you think, more the result and the fact you can't enjoy it when you are losing games? No, they, they don't look like they're enjoying it. Um, there's some worrying signs that I've seen after the game against Arsenal. One was Joe Linton staring at the ground as if he'd lost the World Cup final. It didn't seem, you know, you want to see passion, but why is he, why is he that upset when he's not shown that any type of emotion like that during the game? Why are you suddenly devastated uh, at the final whistle? Because you played the nine minutes where you look like you can't wait to get off the pitch. So is that just for the cameras? You know, I'd like to, I'd like to have that conversation with him. Um, to be honest. One other thing I noticed after Arsenal was when the players were warming down, um, the, the substitutes, things like that, they just looked a little bit too relaxed. Like, you know, the, the cameras were off them in their opinion and they were just too calm about it all. They didn't look bothered, in my opinion. I'd love to see them prove us wrong. So there's a, there's a lot of signs that we are seeing. Um, nobody enjoys losing. You're, you're absolutely right. Even losing 4-3 to Liverpool with the entertainers, no one enjoyed that either. So that's a load of rubbish when people say, I'd rather lose 4-3 than, than lose 3-0 or 1-0 or something like that. No one enjoys losing football games. It hurts. So at the minute, they need to get back back on track. They need that result, don't they? That's, that's, that's the only thing I can say to that question. When you, when you watch, I mean, I, I watched... Villa last night against Manchester City and they've been struck down by COVID and yet, you know, they did give City a really good go and of course City ended up winning 2-0 in the end, questions about decisions and all that but, you know, Villa threatened at times and they looked good and I couldn't help but think, you know, if they're in this uh, mood against Newcastle on Saturday, I'm slightly worried (sighs) And it's it's an amazing turnaround from what Villa were last season when they survived. I think on the last day of the season, you know they had a there was a dodgy decision, wasn't there? I think against Bournemouth when the ball went over the line and the watch wasn't working or something like that. That ended up sending Bournemouth down and keeping Villa up. And now they're battling for Europe. The, the change has been remarkable, and it does raise questions over this work in progress mantra of Steve Bruce's. When you look at how Villa have been over the last what eight nine months. It's 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 remarkable. It just adds a bit more spice to the game tomorrow, uh, Saturday. Sorry. Yeah, it does. I mean, I will say if Aston Villa have spent a ridiculous amount of money since they got promoted. Um, that's that's what happens when you sign players. Eventually, you start winning games. So, but for me, it's a tough game. I think probably when this game got postponed originally, I think it was probably a good time to play Villa because they won a bad run. They're not on a great run now and they have had the problems with COVID. So maybe it just offers Newcastle a, a little glimmer of hope to, to get something from this game. Um, I personally think it might end up being a draw and Newcastle move on to 20 points in the Premier League and it would keep Steve Bruce you know, in a decent position for himself going into the next game. Against Leeds, you know, because then if you take four points from the next two games, you, you're kind of saying crisis, what crisis in some ways. 
that's what they'll be saying. Uh, what the fans will be saying will be something totally different, I'm sure. But, you know, if they start getting results again, it just fends off some of the criticism uh, for a short while. And that leads us nicely into what be our last question here. Um, from Mike Elliott, and he just says, do you agree that one of the most important things in all of this is that Ashley sells up and gives us hope for the future because the way it's going, it's soul-destroying and heartbreaking to see our once brilliant club going to the depths of despair. I can't argue with that statement. I think that statement is exactly how I'm feeling and how every Newcastle United fan is feeling at the moment. Um, what, do you, what do you make of Mike's point there, Lee? Yeah, it's very passionate and I can see where he's coming from with it. Um, and really, the, the club need a new owner. The guy in charge has said that himself on the record that Newcastle needs somebody with investment who can come in and, and take it on the next level. No love lost at all between Newcastle fans and Mike Ashley. We were almost frozen, aren't we, with uh, with, with with fear when it when it comes to every transfer window. You think it's going to be a bad one, so. I just hope that uh, eventually we do get the owner that we all deserve. But it's nothing different than I've said before. I've said, I've said it a million times. And Mike Ashley's had it for sale for good five or six years now. Can't seem to get anyone to buy it. Um, it, feel, it does feel like despair. But at the end of the day, you know, you just hope that when fans eventually come back to St. James Park, they're going to have something to shout about. Mm. And there's been development is the wrong word, but in the Middle East, lots of statements and lots of little actions that have got people quite excited. We had a, a statement from BNN Sports yesterday after rumours that BNN Sports had been reinstated into Saudi Arabia to meaning people can watch it legally. BNN Sports said there's been no change, but they were hopeful of something coming along. This, of course, on the back of that agreement signed by the Gulf states, which brought the end of the Gulf crisis that was signed at the beginning of this month. Lee, what do you make of that that uh, statement from being in sports? I mean, the word hopeful is what everyone's kind of grasping, isn't it? And, and, and hoping that it, something positive can come out of it. Yeah, I mean, you look at it really from Mike Ashley's point of view, He's he agreed to sell his club in the summer. He agreed the deal. Uh, he was just waiting for the paperwork to come through. It didn't. Um, the buyers stepped away. My guess is now in a court battle with the Premier League. We believe that the you know the wannabe buyers uh, would like to um, step back in if Premier League give them the green light to do so. So you, you can only really watch and hope that something you know emerges from from the court case. But as far as my is concerned. Until this is sorted one way or another, then it, it just gives Newcastle fans no hope at all. Similar as that. <laughs> Lee, we appreciate you taking the time. To you guys watching and listening later on the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Or if you're over on YouTube, hit that subscribe button right now. We do appreciate it. Uh, you can head over to chroniclelive.com. You can read all of Lee's latest stuff, including a bit on Steve Bruce's future and the press conference tomorrow, which is Friday. Keep safe out there, guys. Once again, thanks for tuning in.